This is Sunday Skate on Sports Radio WEEI. The first time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Talking Bruins and the NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like, it is sure. With Ken Laird from the Mud and Callahan Show. What a bunch of criminals. We ought to be in jail. That's all there is to it. WEEI.com Bruins writer Matt Kalman. Leave the killer this Sunday Skate is brought to you by Wise Snacks and by Star Market, the official supermarket of the Boston Brewers. This is great, you know, we got a lot of losses. Yeah, we got a lot of losses. Lace them up for some bees talk right now on Sports Radio WEEI. All right, hockey fans will tell you this thing coming up is the thing that provides the greatest drama in pro sports. This thing, of course, is Sunday Skate. It's a tradition unlike any other, and Pete Blackburn, Friend of Skate, long time. What, last time I think Pete was in, Matt, we were discussing Louis Erickson own rental with uh, DJ Bean. Has it been three or four years? When's the last time you were in, Pete? Sounds about right. You guys are actually talking hockey and yeah. not about some like 90s morning kids show or something? That's on brunch. I think we were DJ. talking about how the uh, the Oilers got screwed in the draft lottery and uh, or how the Sabres got screwed in the draft lottery and ended up with poor old Jack Eichel. That's my last Sunday <laughs> skate memory. Uh, t- Gary Tangway had no idea who you were. Oh. I remember that distinctly. And he oh, introduced I, himself to you on the air. And he probably had no idea who Jack Eichel was either. No, oh. come on. Tangway, he's a hockey fan through and through. Uh, we're going to have Pete back, though, for, uh, from CBS Sports. He left uh, us here part-time with work for Fox. Now he's uh, with CBS doing a, a hell of a job. He is the, what, the gift master. What would you call him over there, Matt? I don't know, but we should just note that you know Pete came in here without a, a trigger warning. He's my favorite millennial. Doesn't need any trigger warnings Does or safe spaces. Does he count as millennial? You're not even that young anymore, right? No, I'm an I'm a old wash person now. <laughs> I'm, almost, I'm almost as old and wash as you guys. <laughs> Thanks for having me. He's taking over the WEI Twitter account, so if you have any questions, tweet them at Pete Blackburn or at WEI. Pete will uh, have some video uh, posts during our breaks here. And he's coming off one of the more controversial things of the week in the hockey world. Now, we have Dale Arnold, which we have to get to, torching Alex Ovechkin. But Pete last night... After Connor McDavid goes yeah, down with he was a potentially serious knee injury, couldn't think of a more perfect ending to the Oilers' season. <laughs> that went over well in Western Canada. I'm taking. No, uh, yeah, I had to. I had to issue a statement uh, <laughs> saying that I wasn't rooting for Connor McDavid to get hurt. Uh, I. I should have said it was the most fitting ending to the Oilers season, but I used the word perfect, and it didn't go over well. Once Oilers sort of got a hold of it, I think, uh, I think the number one topic. Night. I think the number one topic on this show is sensitive Canadians, <laughs> so it, it fits right in. Why? Plenty more of that. Well, oh, we talked. Too. We spent like a whole day talking about Dave Schultz, and they didn't want to see oh, David oh, Backus yeah. fight and That's all true. these Toronto people. I mean, well, now we're really going to get it. It's like it's well, unbelievable. Let's start there. I want to rip Dale here in a second. Not rip Dale, but <laughs> yes, yeah, so we're we're rip Dale. But uh, let's start with the, the reality that it's going to be Bruins-Leafs Thursday night, guys. The schedule is not out yet, but you two seem to have a pretty good handle on when it's going to start. People are always uh, wanting to know when are the games, so what do, you, what do you know? What do you have? Well, Thursday, Saturday is almost a definite, and then after that it's a little bit foggy, but probably for Thursday, Saturday here because you have to have Hockey Night in Canada. So, And then games three and four will be in Toronto, and you think Monday, Wednesday? Yeah, is probably Monday, Wednesday. And then the Celtics playoffs affects that somewhat. Right, and so um, does Celine Dion in Toronto. Yeah, so what's the deal there? I think I, I could have sworn that every weekend they had a Celine Dion concert there, but I guess this is a special one. Which is required. So Some, they're going to play a bunch of games? Like a week from Monday or something, there's a concert there. So All Celine Dion concerts are special, Matt, please. <laughs> I thought you were going to say all concerts are Celine Dion <laughs> yes. in Canada. That's what I thought. Well, I mean, this is what the NHL wanted. They wanted these rivalries. This is the way the playoff structure is set up. They, they're going to get a lot of these repeat matchups oh, uh, it, the way this is built, and they're getting it. Uh, is it a good thing? Tampa, of course, comes in yesterday and 
they're the, the, the specter looming beyond the winner of the series no matter what happens. But is it going to be any different the second year in a, uh, around, the second time around? Tavares is there now. Jake Muzzin's there now. Babcock's a year more experienced after <laughs> well, you know, uh, experience. You know what I think. Effect. What does Pete think? Let's see what Pete thinks first. Uh, I mean, I'm certainly not whistling past the graveyard in round one here, but uh, I there's not a lot of reasons for me to think that they can't do it again. It, I just think the Bruins are a better team this year. I think I think there are two things that are, are going to make the difference in the series, and I would say one is goaltending. I think the Bruins, as much as people hate to harass, I think he's going to be better than Freddie Anderson. I think Freddie Anderson's going to poop his pants in, in round one, and that's going to be a huge thing. And I also think that the, the Leafs are going to get outcoached. I'm I'm a very big believer in the fact that Mike Babcock is an overrated coach. Absolutely. I mean, he's if he's ever shown that it's this year because he can't keep this team motivated. I know. I mean, they've been locked in the third place, but they've been losing to teams way down in the standings the whole time. And people complain about the Bruins doing that all the time, but the the Leafs are really living it. And the Leafs l- losing, lost to the losing Senators bad. three times. Exactly. I was a Babcock believer when he was in Detroit, uh, watching up, up close in those series. But last year, I guess my eyes were opened a bit because I did think he got out coached. He couldn't get Austin Matthews away. Or didn't want to, right? Uh, from the Bruins matchups in that series, and the ice times with Matthews and, and those yep. guys, and even with Tavares now, I mean, it's unbelievable how he doesn't, you know, work, ride his horses the way he should, and uh, and now he's he's taking shots at everybody. You know, he's in trouble when he's taking shots at the GM. He's taking shots at the backup goalie. He has like, yeah, what did they sent the goalie out for? They sent the backup or? goalie who everyone knew was terrible at the beginning. To begin with, they go get his work, his game together, and they bring in Michael Hutchinson. I don't know, maybe he thinks they the he has secrets of the Bruins or something, but. Uh, the guy is obviously not bang for the buck there. <laughs> well, it was a seven-game series last year, and they had a lead in uh, in Game 7. And so, you know, they add Tavares and they add Muzzin. You figure just on those facts alone, that should be enough where Toronto should be taken seriously. But I get the feeling they're not. Bruins fans are maybe not looking ahead to Tampa, but not fearing... I don't know how many Bruins fans will pick Toronto to win this series. I would say close to none. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, you could say that, but the Bruins are a better team, like Pete said. But it's, and especially it's because you look at, you know, you had you were down in, in Game Seven there, but you had so many young guys that were in their first go around in this playoff thing, and I think a lot of them they always talk about that they can they're ready for it, but they're never ready for it. And I think now they, you know, guys like DeBrusque and Heinen and McAvoy, they really have it down now. I don't think they're going to mess around as much. And uh, if you don't get the goaltending, like Pete said, then it's it's, your, it's in your favorite. So that, yeah, that although Anderson was he was a Vezina candidate not so long ago this year, right until he hit a, a yeah, the last three weeks of the spin, season, which is, <laughs> he went in the toilet. poor timing on that front. But it's not like he's uh, not respected if he stays healthy. Um, well, maybe oh, absolutely, not but he you, you know right? everyone talks about Tuca, but he had just as terrible a series last year as Tuca did, right? Yeah, and, and I mean you mentioned the fact that the the young guys have come around. And, you know, obviously they added uh, Tavares and Muzzin, but you look at the fact the Bruins are getting Carlo back. Uh, they didn't have Carlo for for last year's series, and Carlo's been unbelievable all year long. So, But it's his first playoff series, too, so I do worry a little bit about just the wake-up call for him. Um, yeah, well, obviously, but if it's just year. one guy who needs a wake-up call as opposed to the rest, the, the, the lineup yep. last year that was just, you know, filled with kids, and you just look at it now, it's the way this this lineup, the, the forward lineup is, is shaping out. I mean, it's not the one-line team that it was last year in that first period, in that first series. You should uh, you should be much deeper. And, you know, Muzzin's great, but they haven't really addressed the defense situation there. They, they still have, they're still leaning on Jake Gardner. What was he, minus five in game seven? I mean... <laughs> and he's just coming off injury. He missed 18 games. Coming off injury. Dermot's coming off injury. I mean, I don't see where they've made the improvements they needed to make. And it's it's kind of, you know, you, we, can, we don't want to get too far ahead. But if you look at the way the Bruins didn't necessarily close the gap on Tampa at the trade deadline in the offseason last year after losing in five games, Toronto 
didn't really close the gap on the Bruins by you know after that seven game series. Is Tavares going to have a big series though? He, the guy had forty seven goals. He was unbelievable. I mean, Boston wanted this guy badly. He went and was an unmitigated success. Great line. Uh, Marner's had a hell of a year. Uh, so the improvement from there from 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 last year is significant. Matthews has to be better. Yeah, I mean, but the Bruins—you're right about their D. But the Bruins historically have shown that they they shut those guys down in the playoffs. I mean, you never see, except for Tampa last year, which is a, a different situation. You don't see guys go off that way in, in the playoffs. Maybe going all the way back to Eric Stahl, 2009, he killed them in that series. You know, and Chara was still trying to get his feet. You know, as far as being a number one D, and the, that team obviously had injury problems and things, but you, got, you you don't really see guys or lines dominate the Bruins in the playoffs. You said Austin Matthews needs to be better. He sure set the bar pretty low last year. Uh, <laughs> what do you have, one point in that series? So bad. So he Disappeared. Uh, uh, good for him, setting the bar low. <laughs> and no matter what happens, we can say that he had a better series this year. Unless he exactly. gets blanked. <laughs> unless he gets zero, I mean. Well, and of course, there's the Tuca factor. Now, uh, <laughs> we haven't done a Sunday skate where we haven't gotten to Rask early in the show. Uh, yesterday was not a great warm-up game for him, I guess. I mean, it was a meaningless game. I don't know why he bothered to even play it. I, I'm curious to that as well. It's the great Rask-Eddie Pasquale matchup uh, going into the postseason. He looked good in the first period. I mean, the, maybe that's what he wanted. Maybe he just wanted to get a period. Maybe they should have pulled him. But he, he made that great save on Joseph early on, that point-blank save. And I was like, oh, this is good. He's going to get in a groove. And then he makes everybody look dumb by kind of t- taking the rest of the game off. But well, Brave, you missed the game, and I'm sure many did. It's a matinee on a Saturday, a meaningless game. Braden Coburn scores with 5:54 to go from just inside the blue line, and the puck was deflected, I think, uh, off uh, the defenseman's stick. But still, it doesn't matter. It's, it's that far out. The, right. fo- the Fox Sports Florida tweet said it was a laser from the blue oh, line. Oh, was it? Okay. God. <laughs> Uh, break. I correct the. Uh, I apologize. I'm, I'm, I'm a huge RAS defender, but that, that that goal was unforgivable. It was terrible. And the Kucherov goal was not great either. The backhander he scored, he, he did split the D, and he's it's, you know it's basically a breakaway, yeah. but it's a little kind of off the toe and a, and a misplay. And uh, I think after that first period, Tutuka wasn't going to be bending too much, and so that he's not going to make that save. I mean, you got to protect the groins there. So okay, fair enough. So maybe, maybe that's true. Maybe he shouldn't have played, and maybe he was just trying not to get hurt. I mean, they yeah. kept Krug out of the game. I mean, so most most, at least most half, of the... Uh, got half of it right. Right, well, Krug, Carlo, yeah. all the guys I had to say. I don't know why Chara was playing in that game. I mean, unless they just didn't want to use a call-up. Well, he keeps saying he wants to play. I, mean, I don't he, care he what he like says. He's to be in the lineup. He has, listen, he's going to say that until he dies, but <laughs> you're, you're, it's your job as a coach <laughs> in the ice? organization to protect him. He might die on the ice. I mean, he might be playing when he's 60. If, if they're going to let him dictate how long he goes, he's going to keep going. I mean, you have to. it's your job to pull back on that. And I think if, if you don't see the difference in him when he's fresh and when he's not fresh, then what are you watching? Because it's clear, and you know he's not going to accept that, but there's a, an issue here where you need to make sure he's fresh. You are certainly a Rask defender. I don't know if I would go as so far to say you're a Rask believer 100%. No, apologist. Get you're, it right. Oh, are you? Okay. So you're a Rask apologist. Pete, I don't know where you sit. If there's a goal like this in game one of the series, oh, God. would Cassidy consider putting Halak in for game two? I mean, if it's if it's egregious, if it's bad, and you know the reaction's going to be swift from the fan base. <laughs> Uh, they had two twenty win goalies this year. They're, this is why they got Halak. They, I guess they had it last year too. You know, a, a, a capable backup, but they did make a change in that series. So, how quick's the leash on Tuca? I don't know. I, I think that there's certainly uh, an insurance policy behind him with Halak. He's been pretty good this year, and and if you listen to some of the language from from Cassidy, it sounds like he's maybe not totally. Uh, the biggest Rask fan. I mean, there's been times this year where I'm where I've listened to Cassie post game and I'm like, huh, 
Interesting. Where he's like, we need a, we need a, needed a big save from our goalie yep. and didn't get one. And it's like, okay, uh, yeah, I, I think that there's certainly a possibility that I don't know if he's gonna start Halak, but I think that if Rask gets off to a rough start in one of these games, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a quick pull. It's not even that I guess outrageous anymore in the NHL. Most teams that have won cups recently have had two guys, so right. maybe maybe Tuca would be fine with that. You know him better than I, I do. I can absolutely guarantee that if he had a series or game, game, I don't know which games were the worst from that series last year. He'll be out. That's what they got Halak for. And would he stay mentally focused and he'd be ready to go the next well, time he goes back in? Or is he you would hope so, case? but you have no idea. I mean, you, you really, it's never, he's never been in that situation, so you and when you know. say When you say out, you mean out of the game, out of the next out of the, game? He would be out of the game, and if depending on how Halak played, I think Halak would start the next game. I think they'll pass the baton. I don't think they're afraid to do that. I mean, which is a good thing. I mean, uh, I mean, uh, to me, I, I think Kat, you you want to go you you want a coach that's not going to wait around and. Yeah, absolutely. That's what they did this for. I mean, obviously, you know, you go back to Claude. Claude didn't trust any of those backups. He 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 rammed you know Tuca into the ground. It cost him those two years. Uh, You bring in Hudobin, who you knew from before, and he had been played pretty well. And the numbers are good, but we all know that for every great save Hudobin makes, it's a heart attack. And I don't think Bruce could take that. And he definitely wasn't putting him in a playoff game. But that's what you got this guy for, Harlock. I mean, you don't you know he can't handle the load as a number one anymore. He showed that, but we know that also the Islanders was killing him. I mean, they were facing 20 scoring chances against a the night there. So you brought him here. You put him in the structure. He had a great season. You can't ride him for long. We saw any time he did kind of – he had that little slump in the middle of the year, and this was probably the perfect scenario where he plays like once every three games. And so I think if by the third game of this series it's not Tuka's series, he'll go to Halak. I mean, why not? He's, if there's one thing Bruce Cassidy doesn't care about, it's what anybody else thinks. So, Well, and I'm I, – I, I am sold on the Carson Coleman experience, and it appears Cassidy is too, right? So I give Bruce credit for that. Yeah. That's not an easy well, thing I to put him back, in your top comes, six. This is so ridiculous that I would say this, but it is true, I think. he He's so much of a fan of the game and of the Bruins that he kind of gets it, what everyone's feeling and what everyone's thinking, and isn't afraid to kind of like do these things. Well, that's not good. You're saying Cassidy reacts to, the, to what the fans <laughs> well, want? He kind of does, like because he's just like this, you know, he, he has all the information. That's the difference between him and the fans. He has the information. He has the pulse of the team. He, he understands the players. He talks to everyone every day, has a feel, but he kind of goes with his gut, and he's not afraid to do that and afraid to face backlash if he has to. So is is Coleman going to start on Krejci's wing Thursday night? Absolutely. Oh, it's guaranteed? It's done? I'm guaranteeing it. Okay. <laughs> You support that, Pete? I mean, I'll, I've started to love this guy. I mean, yeah, I don't have a problem with it. I, I he's think not an elite he's, finisher, that's for sure. But he's he's certainly not somebody that if you told me at the beginning of the season Carson Coleman was going to be <laughs> right. uh, on the uh, the Bruins' top six in the playoffs, I'd be like, who who the hell is that, and why is he there? What happened to this team? Uh, but I mean, he's played his way into that spot. I think. And guys, I mean, the fact is that he. He's more than a placeholder. He's kind. He's kind of a placeholder, but he's more than that because he just plays a straight line game. Goes to the net, you know. Isn't afraid to do anything. Isn't afraid to cross the blue line. Gets in deep. Gets in the dirty areas, and and he creates space for those two guys. So wh- why would you want anybody else? Just because he happens to be a rookie who wasn't drafted, and you just signed him a year ago. This is the type of player you wanted to put there all along. He. I mean, when you sell people on Carson Coleman, you have to go to like intangibles. Even in Providence, he played fifty-eight sure. games. He had twelve goals. Right. Even when he was playing at Minnesota Duluth, it was the coaches talking about but, his value was more than a scorer. But so. I didn't. I didn't see a lot of Providence games in the middle of this year. But I'm pretty sure he was playing top six minutes there. You know, he's not getting the points out of it, but he's doing what he's doing here. And who else is, has anyone beaten him out? No one's beaten him out for that job. Certainly not point. Marcus Johansson. Exactly. Who I think it's a disaster waiting to happen. <laughs> Even yesterday, he was. He was. It was his fault on the Kucherov goal. He is in the neutral zone. He is a mess. Uh, maybe it's, it's adjusting to the Bruins system. He should be scratched. He should not play in game one. 
Are they going to put him on the third line? Yeah, they're going to put him on the third line, and I think uh, he. You know what though? There'll be a candidate if if Corrali's ready to come back. Gonna, they're going to need someone to come out, and if he doesn't play, he'll be the one. Is is Corrali close or no? He's, he could be. I mean, right now they said he's skating, so that's a, that's a good sign, and it'll just matter how it heals. But we've seen so many guys come back faster than these timelines that, especially when it's Sean Corrali, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, what did you think of Johansson, Pete, when they uh, traded for him? And is he fine? I mean, I don't. We I guess we haven't seen much of the coil Johansson. Um, is Heinen's going to be there on the left side, right? Well, I think Wagner's going to be on. Oh, the, Wagner, Wagner okay. on the right side. So, so we saw that. It was pretty. It was going pretty good until Wagner got hurt. Yeah, I, th- I think Johansson has a pretty good upside, but he's also a guy that I think you know he's had injury issues. He hasn't been uh, when he's not healthy. He's he's not great, um, and maybe maybe that's an issue. Do you? I mean, right. you would know better than me. But is he a hundred percent at this point? That's just it. I, I said last week too. I didn't think he's maybe a hundred percent, and maybe it's more between the ears than even physical. Um, you get rocked like that, and maybe you know. Guys come back when they're not 100%, and some perform better that way than not. And if he's feeling it a little bit of soreness, if he got dinged a little bit and they didn't tell us, or just the fear factor, um, it's just that's sometimes that can have a residual effect. And we saw that with Nash last year even. We don't know how much he was actually concussed and how much he was just bothered by the fact that he could get dinged again. And this could be the situation with him right now, plus trying to find his way on a new team and, uh, and a new line. And luckily, you know, Charlie Coyle has filled – Filled in pretty well there, and I think he can carry him a little bit. Well, you guys both said, or at least I think, Pete, you said the Bruins are better this year than they were last year. Just looking back to the first-round series with the Leafs, it's pretty much the same team other than Rick Nash is not here, uh, McQuaid's not here. It's it's pretty much the same group. I mean, Donato was in there for a game or two. You get yeah, different you ancillary what, parts. It goes back to, you, know, you mentioned McQuaid, and obviously you don't have that cap of defenseman. Uh, playing there, you know, if Miller's healthy, it is you got the six that you wanted to start the season with, and I just think it goes back to what I've been saying since day one of this show is that if there's going to be a weakness, it's going to be that left side of the D on the second pair after Char. I mean, do they have Carlos back, and that's great. And even if he plays like he played in the regular season, the playoffs, can a Kruger or a Grizzly handle those types of minutes in the playoffs against a team with a lot of firepower? Yeah, I'll tell you, I'm I'm a lot less worried about the Bruins' defense uh, as to sure. what's going on on the other side. Right, uh, the Leafs. I mean, Leafs fans should be terrified as to what they have on their blue line and what the Bruins are going to do to them. So right, I think exactly. that if you're, if you're looking at those two things, you're coming out on the plus side. Uh, Hainsey and Riley are their shutdown pair, right? So that's if you're a Toronto fan, you're like, okay. Okay, great. This is a problem. Never gets old with Ron Hainsey in Toronto. They love him. It's unbelievable. I looked up the numbers before the show started, and uh, yeah, Riley Hainsey, um, Riley Hainsey, Zaitsev, and Gardner all finished with negative shot shares on the season at five on five. So not great if you're looking at what you want from your top four defensemen. Muzzin and Dermott's the other group, and yeah. they're hoping Dermott's better, you know, this year than last year, and right. that Muzzin's the difference, I guess. Or they just outscore Boston, you know. Like that's you just it. Are, they, are they looking to outscore them? Because I don't think so, because that's been the problem there, too, is Babcock doesn't want them to run and gun. He doesn't want to let them loose and play and you know, ride those talented players for more minutes and things. So it's, there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of things going on there that you have to wonder – I'm going to go crazy here. I'll probably pick the Bruins in six, but I really want to You're pick them in four. five. You're leaning three. No, no, I'll give them a game, but I really want to say five, except for the fact also that obviously 15 years of covering this team, I know the Bruins are going to do some stupid stuff to make this go longer because there's a lot of times they should have disposed of these teams. Well, that could be a huge key. I do think Columbus is going to give Tampa a push, yeah. a seven-game series. That's yeah. my prediction. I think they're going to take uh, them seven, 
And that's gonna that is Boston's only chance to be Tampa that they have a long series. You dispatch the Leafs quickly. Pete says no way in hell. I, I give I give Columbus one game. I think that it's it goes five maybe. Bobrovsky steals two. They take it seven. <laughs> I don't even think I give them a game because they've been playing playoff games for a month. Uh, listening to John Tortorella in their ears for that whole month. <laughs> you I think at, they're Panarin's done. You look at what Columbus had to do to, to clinch their playoff oh spot. They, they got well, the play, Rangers and the testing. Senators, and they needed a shootout uh, to, to clinch a spot. It's <laughs> the, like, only, the, only way I give them, the only way I give them a game is if Hedman's not playing. And we really don't know what's going on there. In, the, in the other half of the bracket, I, Pittsburgh will beat the Islanders, I think, although that series starts in New York. Yeah, I, Washington, I, I'm Carolina. not high on the Islanders. I, I know that they've had a good season, but I, I really think that that goaltending that they've gotten all year long is pretty unsustainable. And I think that it's it's we've seen it come down to earth a little bit at the tail end of the season. But I imagine there's a there's a possibility that that comes crashing down in the postseason. So who do you expect to come out of there? Washington again? Uh, it'll be yeah. Capitals, Penguins again, probably in round two. No, it's, I got, I got, I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to give up on the Islanders that quickly. I think. Uh, they're a defensive team. They're going to slug it. They're going to slug it up. It emerges. So, they might. So um, they might do a uh, a Dale Hunter 2012 against the Bruins. They you know against the Penguins team. They might just you know stand in front of those goalies and. I'll say I think that that can be the ugliest the ugliest right, series of round one. That, that might be a tough one to watch even yeah. with all the star power on that one. But even, your path to a cup might for, for your Boston might be. Uh, Rematch here with Toronto, Tampa, Tampa Washington, Washington, and yeah. then uh, yeah. you've been picking Winnipeg all year. I don't know if you're sticking with them in the finals. <laughs> I don't know. Do I have to stick with my preseason yep. picks? How does that work? Yep. Oh, then it's still Winnipeg, Columbus? Yep. Oh, thrilling. I Honestly, I like Vegas <laughs> to come out of the West. Really? Yeah. I like Vegas. I think they're a really good team. Um, they've been pretty hot and cold this year, but I, I like Vegas, and I think that you know that, that round one series against San Jose is going to be interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, I obviously, I, I think Vegas is, is, a, is a favorite, and when they got so hot after they got stone, I had them, but... After this weekend, I just have this weird feeling about Nashville. I feel like they flipped the switch all of a sudden, and they got the one they, seed in it. They were they should be so much better than they were during the season. Then next thing you know, Winnipeg just hands them the division. And uh, you talk about goalies. I think they have two goalies. I think they have. We know we have a coach that is not afraid to pull his goalies. So I don't think Rene's on a on a very long leash there. I think you know Soros can come in and, and play and play great and. There's just so much depth there, and that team is built for the playoffs. But that team is is not a team that's beaten good teams all year yeah, long. Yeah, I, I think that's why. I think I think I'm just saying. I think they, I feel like they flipped the switch. I've, I've seen this so many times with teams like that. They just they've got so many grizzled veterans. I mean, they're I like the roster. Uh, I, I don't trust Rene, and they haven't beaten good teams. I think they got. It was huge for them to get that that one seed because right. they avoid because they uh, avoid a, a St. Louis. Yeah, number. exactly. And they got one win against the Jets and the the Blues all year long. So for them to avoid yeah. uh, those two teams right. in round one is huge for them. Uh, I'm not saying it makes any sense. I'm just saying what I think. <laughs> well, I'm, I, I'm boringly, I'm with you on Bruins and six. Uh, I don't know where you stand on that, Pete. Do you think it'll be a long series? I'm going to say Bruins and seven, just because I want to see them. I want to see them crush. Toronto's hearts once again, again one on more time. I know that, that does seem fitting. because I, I, it'll kill Toronto so much more this year after the addition of Tavares and then just looking how they they peed away uh, home ice. They could have gotten home ice this year, and sure. just the way that they crumbled down the stretch uh, and had that really tough. Uh, close to the season and lose to the Senators three times. Uh, the that fact is that amazing. they didn't how do you get lose home ice. How do you lose? How do you look at what uh, this history of, for this team is and and the demons in their closet, the boogeyman under the bed, and then not get home ice against the Bruins in round one? 
Thoughts on Leafs? Bruins starts Thursday. The NHL playoffs upon us. 617-779-7937. Sunday Skate presented by Wise Stacks and Star Market. And then we'll get to uh, ripping Dale's Ovechkin take uh, coming up here shortly. Maria in Watertown starts us off, though, this morning. Hi, Maria. Hi, good morning, guys. Pete, welcome to the show. I like the energy you're bringing. I hope uh, you're the uh, long-term uh, third man in, especially during the playoffs. Thank you very much. Here's um, just two things I'd like to say with respect to Tuca. Um, you know, the, the finish of that game was, was not great for him. And while I do have concerns, the one thing I don't have concerns about is the fact that Bruce Cassidy isn't going to blink an eye if he needs to pull him. That, that's just my thought. And I hope that Tuca recognizes that um, as they head into the playoffs, that, you know, Halak is sitting there waiting for his opportunity. But the, the bigger thing that I'm concerned about with this series and this has been a problem all season long, and I can't believe that the Bruins haven't addressed it, is the issue with giving up shorthanded goals. I, I understand the risk-reward regarding the power play, but you simply cannot have that continuing going into the playoffs. That could potentially cost you a game and cost you a series. And I'm, I don't understand why it hasn't been addressed in the regular season. Can it be addressed? And how should they address it? Because I'm frankly very concerned about it, particularly with the firepower that Toronto has. I'll hang up and listen to your thoughts, guys. Have a great day. All right, thanks, Maria. I I, uh, I know a lot of people blame, and I know from Maria's calls in the past, she's not a big Krug fan. Some people just blame Krug yeah. point blank. Period. He's your your Absolutely. point man. You have to have you have to have a scapegoat at everything yeah. that ever happens. And I don't think Cassidy seems to care that much. To no, be he honest. cared yesterday. He's Did starting he? to get a little irked about it because I think they've worked on this a lot. Obviously, because it was killing them earlier in the year. But that was Pasternak's fault, pretty much. Right. <laughs> point blank. Period. And uh, and so now, yeah, I think they're really working on it. I think he's trying to give them the right tools or the right strategies here, and they're not necessarily executing them. And it's easier to swallow when you have a. Top top ranked power play unit right. too. When you're getting results yeah. from that unit, it's, it's and the same thing happened to, to Pittsburgh this year. Pittsburgh gave up, I think, if not yeah. more than the same amount, the exact same, yeah. goals. It, That's what happens. But yeah, they're gonna have to clamp down on that in the playoffs. Like you have to clamp down on anything. Easily and, could be the uh, difference in this series, though. Boston's power play against Toronto. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, but not not necessarily giving up the shorthand goals part of it. But, 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 too, but right. it's, it but is something too. that you want to limit because that that can kill you momentum wise. It's that can be just a dagger going on the power play and then giving one up the other way. Well, it's spe- just you know that's not something that you want to do. You want to surrender in the postseason. Speaking of Krug and his role in that, I want to talk about him. A Fluto wrote about him in the Athletic this week. I don't know if you guys are big Fluto fans or not, but I I thought he did a nice job. Laying out, he just didn't come to a conclusion. Not really, but he, he lays out all the facts. Basically, he says this could be Tory Krug's last run. He's got a year left, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. You trade this guy, and it makes sense to trade him. So we'll talk about Krug and how the Bruins are shaping up here against the Leafs. And, of course, the ability of Alex Ovechkin to carry or not carry Brad Marchand's jock is told by Dale Arnold. Electric stuff from Dale this week. So we'll you get to that. On Dale some. and Electric in the same sentence? It was great. It was un- unbelievable. As is Pete Blackburn. He's here. He's going to answer some questions during the break on uh, Twitter uh, on the WEI account at Sunday Skate, presented by Wise Snacks and Star Market. You're listening to Sunday Skate with Ken Laird from the Mud and Callahan Show and WEI.com Bruins writer Matt Kalman. Sunday Skate is brought to you by Wise Snacks and by Star Market, the official supermarket of the Boston Bruins. And I'm going to say this now, and I've said it a couple of times this year. Brad Marchand is now the best left wing in hockey. Uh, when the all-NHL team comes out postseason, he's going to be your first team left wing. 
<laughs> now, Ovechkin, obviously, is the goal scorer with 51 goals. I was going to say, based off of also not just being the goal scorer, but reputations of right, each. Right, Ovechkin may get the nod But there. he shouldn't. But, yeah, no, but Brad, who's had a better season? By Marshawn. far, yeah. Brad Marchand. All right, that's Dale. Lava take there. Now, of course, uh, as we return here on Sunday Skate with Calvin and Blackburn, Alex Ovechkin just became the first player in NHL history to win the Rocket Richard Trophy eight times, breaking a tie with Bobby Hull. He has 51 goals this year. So this is a somewhat controversial statement, but it crescendoed a little bit later in the show. This was Thursday on Dale and Keith. Some texter was like, uh, how can you say, I, I'm guessing, how can you say that? How can you say Marchand's better than Ovechkin, best left wing in hockey? And Mount St. Dale finally erupted with this great soundbite. Alexander Ovechkin, you know how many shorthanded points he has this year? Zippo! Oh, probably none. None. Yeah, I don't think he plays. Zero. Well, he doesn't play on the show. Brad Marchand <laughs> and Patrice Bergeron yeah, are the best penalty-killing yeah. duo in the National Hockey League. Yeah. Brad Marchand plays both ends of the ice. As we said, Alexander Ovechkin has 51 goals this year and is a plus nine. Brad Marchand is a plus 15. Yeah. Sorry, Alexander Ovechkin this year can't carry Brad Marchand's well, jock. Now, Dale, this now, year. That is extreme. That is extreme. <laughs> can't. Now, that is a thing of beauty. I can't believe we're still citing plus minus. Yeah, that's that's the one that's going to get... Uh, Give me a break. The guy's won the Rocket Richard eight <laughs> times. Okay, but this year now, just focus on this year. Plus 15 to plus 9. You heard Dale. The numbers speak for themselves. <laughs> I mean, all right. I, I get the argument that 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 Marshan is a great two-way player. He is, but Alex Ovechkin's not a bad defensive player either. I know that there's there's marks against him, but look what he did last year in the postseason. He was a really good two-way player. He's also happens to be the best goal scorer of this generation. I mean, the best ever. pure he goal scorer. He passed Gretzky all for for most goals ever. I mean, if he, he's got a chance. He at could. It. It's, yep. a, it's uh, and I think also you got to think that you know just like Eric Carlson winning the Norris. Sometimes your best defense is a great offense, and the threat he is out on the ice, and the fact that they you know play in the other team's zone a lot, that uh, that'll factor in. But and if you want to, I mean, if you and you want to argue special teams, sure, Brad Marchand's great on uh, on both for for the Bruins, but is he Alex Ovechkin on the power play? He's right. not. Alex Ovechkin Nobody has is. done the the exact same thing for uh, almost two decades at this point. Everybody knows it's coming. And still, nobody stops it because yep. they can't. He and Stamkos have that unbelievable fear factor on that. Uh, on it's the, it's on the good left to circle. see Dale getting into the hyperbole, though, because you know, that, I mean, gotta fire listen, him up. He should ride with that. I mean, he should keep. It's not outrageous to say Marshawn is in Ovechkin's class this year. He's got a hundred points. He, you and I have argued he's a top five player in the NHL, and he should have absolutely. Some and he's been for a couple of years. I mean, there's no doubt about that. And you see the skill and just getting better. And again, a guy who's what thirty now and yeah. getting better, it just defies the odds and. But so yeah, this, I, I mean, the, the, now to flip it to he can't carry his jock. That's a great soundbite, and it's gonna man. I can, I am praying geez. now for Bruins. And I thought the, I thought my the, comparison uh, of Carson Kuhlman to Gordie Howe yesterday was crazy, <laughs> but you know, my thing is, I mean, if Dale's gonna say things like that, it just, go full force. Yes, just go, yes. just dive in the pool, uh, stand behind it. I feel like he he uh, he sort of like backed off. He was backpedaled a little. Yeah, there was there was a little backlash. I'd rather I just, John Anderson. I'd rather he just go with his gut than lean on plus minus though. It's insane that people are still citing that. But you will sell people. I mean, there are a lot of Crosby fans for years who have been saying he's a more complete player than Ovechkin. Ovechkin doesn't play D. He's a one-trick pony. He's a goal scorer. Can't do anything else. So until he won the cup, that you heard that a lot more. That, oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, so you could not, sell people on he's not a complete player or not as complete of a player as player X. Not everybody has to be But a if you were starting player. an NHL team tomorrow, how many GMs would start with Ovechkin? How many would start with Marshawn? 
if we're clean, bringing age into consideration. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess that's true. Just just based on, forget age. Just, yeah. You needed him for a season. You needed somebody to build around. I still think that you're probably starting off with the guy who scored 51 goals this year. Yeah, it's pretty hard so. to, to not go with the natural goal scorer. But. I think Dale put Johnny Goudreau, too, in there, too. I think that was the other slight. <laughs> he, he had Marshawn Goudreau Ovechkin as your left wings in hockey, your best left wings in hockey. So. I mean, I love me some Johnny Goudreau, but <laughs> come on. If, if Ovechkin's not... Ovechkin's your one, but if he's not your two... You're doing something wrong here. Hey, the, the upset of the week is that somebody was talking uh, hockey in the, on, a, on a weekday show. So. Right, right. Should be ripped for this. Now, uh, this Bruins team does have some elder, elder players. Tory Krug is not one of them. He's 27 years of age. So when you ask the question, is this the last run for the Bruins as presently constructed, you wouldn't normally think, okay, who are they going to be missing next year? Tory Krug is the guy. You might be thinking Chara. You might be thinking, okay, Bergeron's just not going to be the same player as he was. But as far as the core goes, if they're back next year, the one big change could be Tory Krug is traded in the offseason. I don't know if you believe this but um, as a possibility, but Fluto uh, Shinzawa talked about this in his athletic piece earlier in the week, and he makes a good point that, first of all, there's this expansion draft looming again. Seattle's coming into the league in 2021, and you can only protect, in one scenario, three defensemen, or in another scenario, eight skaters. So you can't... Uh, you already have McAvoy... Uh, Vakaninen, maybe Carlo as your 3D, and you just can't have that many highly paid defensive players. Somebody's going to get poached here. That's one element of it. The other element of it is he's in the last year of his contract. He's going to want big money, Tory Krug. Uh, somebody that he quoted there said seven years, $6.25 million per season, and the Bruins just might not be in a position where they can pay it, and they've got young defensemen who are kind of being geared up to replace him. So it makes sense you would trade him and get some pieces back, as other teams have done. Ryan McDonough and, and other defensemen have gone with a year left on their deal. Do, do, do the Bruins love Krug? Let me ask you that first, Matt. Because he's a guy that could decide these series coming up, whether he's prolific they on the def- power play def- or a liability defensively. They definitely love Krug right now on this team the way he plays. That's no doubt about that. But if you're looking far in the, into the future like that... Um, the expansion draft is what kills you. I mean, because otherwise, you know, what, what did you say, 6.25? 6.25 over seven years. I mean, if I could get him from to, age 29 to age 36. If I, if I to could get him like six and a half, six and three quarters and just give him the six and not go the seven, I would do that. But like you said, the expansion draft problem then, then kicks in there. And if you're, you're not going to want to expose a, a Carlo or, you know, I, I know in that story it says something about Grizzlick and Yeah, they we, throw, I kept him out because I know you would, you would trash that right away. I, I, Matt would, I, would, hates Matt I would lose Grizzlick. Matt Grizzlick over losing... Tory Krug, I mean, seriously. And but. honestly, he and might the, be the guy that gets poached. That, and the that argument be... that, that those guys are the same player is just insanely wrong. Oh. And, and it's it's because of the size, and, and I assume that that's what it is. Right. But you're not trading Tory Krug and slotting in Matt Grizzlick and not, getting the same results. You're not slotting in Matt Grizzlick, and you're not slotting in Charlie McAvoy. I mean, no. Charlie McAvoy got the chance to do that job. Uh, for the time that Tory Krug was out recently, and it didn't go very well. About point man on the power play. Yeah, I mean, it's just not. I think that he's getting better, but he's not going to be that natural right. qu- quarterback that Krug is. And I, I, I really think that the people around here take for granted what Tory Krug is and oh. what he brings uh, in terms of quarterbacking the power play, which is funny and ironic considering how many how many years were spent here just saying we need to go out of the trade deadline and get a a quarterback on the right. power play. We need a puck-moving defenseman. Well, you got one, and now you hate him and want to trade him. Well, 
well, how, many, how, many, Dougie how many how many decades right? do they hate the goalies here? And they all they do is rip on the goalies. So, but Krug is not. <laughs> I mean, he's a great distributor, but he's not. He doesn't have a great shot. It's not like he's Sergey Gonchar there. He's blowing people away. I guess McAvoy is not profiling as that either. I don't care about but, the shot. Yeah, the shot You're doesn't creating matter. goals. The, the, the shooters are Marshan and Pasta. Yeah, but what about I the mean, shorties? What about the shorthanded goals? <laughs> Krug is 100% to blame. <laughs> no, I mean, that's his strength, and he's, it's an obvious strength. His weaknesses show up, though. He's a, he's yeah, a number four defenseman who they have to shelter. They have know, to. If you want to just bank so much on these numbers crunchers, you know, talking about deterioration as he gets older. You said he's 27 already. He's a smaller he guy. He had a concussion this year, minutes, right? He had a concussion. Um but, you know, a lot of numbers crunchers told me David Krejci was in the toilet and he's a point-per-game player. So I don't necessarily want to, like, lean too much on that. I know it's a, it's a, hot, it's a hot thing to do for, the, uh, for some of these people. But, um, but look at where the game is going, too, in terms yeah. of pushing, pushing play up ice. And you don't necessarily need those shutdown guys anymore. And, I mean, it's certainly nice to have them. I think the Bruins do have guys that fill that role. But you're going to need guys who drive play on the blue line. And I think Tory Krug and Charlie McAvoy are probably your two best guys on right. the blue line who do that now. But so, isn't Vakaninen slotted to be that guy as well? And To, if, a, if, to an extent. If right. you have... You, you, don't, you know, don't know what you, you're yeah. getting yet. I, I wouldn't rush to trade Tory Krug with you know question marks. I, I, I like Euro, uh, and I think that he's going to be a good player, but you don't surrender what you have until you know that you can replace him. And I don't I think, think that anybody's replacing him. I think the best, the best thing about Urho that Don Sweeney told me earlier this year was that they're still trying First to... First Urho reference on Sunday's game. They're, they're encouraging him to be more offensive-minded. So that tells you right there. I mean, no one... I'm sure since Tory Krug was a baby, no one's had to tell him to, like, you know, go in the offensive zone and to, to take risks. But Urho is a safer player, and they're trying to coach that out of him to make him more wow. aggressive. And he got more aggressive before he got hurt this year. I know he had some more points, but... Um, so that's a work in progress, and that's not even next year. That's not even... I mean, maybe he'll be in the lineup next year, but he's not going to be the offensive player. He'll be more in the Grizzly mode from last year, where, you know, you take playing that third player, and you're playing up. And there's no doubt he can defend, and because he, he can skate like nobody's business. But you, you have to coach this into people... It's harder, and you know I think this this playoffs now will be a referendum on what you can do with Tory Crew because if yes. if my one weakness, and we know that the Bruins do have some weaknesses as opposed to what some people might say, it's that left side. That's why they signed John Moore in case they didn't have the right matchups and they needed to throw a, a bigger body who could skate in there. It didn't quite work out the way they wanted at this point, but that's the that's the weakness. If you don't think. Toronto is going to be throwing the puck into Krug and Grizzik's corner the whole series. I mean, that's what they're going to do. I mean, that's how they have to expose it. And and your guy Jake Muzzin's on the other side, so you get you and get Jake a, Muzzin's on the other side, and maybe you thought they should have traded for. Um, right, you have three options. They're tough. It's a tough choice for for Cam Neely and Don Sweeney. You you can either ride them out. You're a cup team, cup contender. You fancy yourself one this year. You expect next year, ride them out, let them go to free agency. You'll probably lose them. And, you, and I don't think you have to like rush this summer either. I mean, we, they keep, you know. The pundits love to say, oh, you're, only, you're never going to get more from him. You're never going to get more from him. And then every year we get to the trade deadline and teams are throwing first and second round picks around like, 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 like for crazy. So you're not – plus you're but not – But that's, tr- that's really tough to rip a guy out of your out of your team if you're a contender at the trade right. deadline. Right. Well, I'm not even saying they're going to trade him. I think maybe more along the lines of riding it. But to say, oh, it's now or never, you have to see how things pan out. You know, even a, a contending team, if – but well, you're going to trade him because you know you can replace him. So if next year – you have you have guys that say okay I think in January February this kid can pick up the slack for Tory Krug then you do have to make a you make a, end up making a hockey trade rather than a sell trade 
Maybe you're, whatever your no, weakness think, is, you're addressing I think, it. I think you have to make that choice before the year begins. I, I don't think so. I, I, I do think it's tougher to, to make a hockey trade uh, when when you're doing that because unless unless it just works out perfectly and there's a team that's willing to subtract from whatever it is, their forward group or, right. or, or well, whatever. Well, you should think that they give you a point, you give them a D. It's and, less likely for that to happen. Yeah, You have to get insanely lucky. <laughs> I, I do think that... If you're going to deal him, it probably should be in the off season. It's that's probably where you're the most comfortable, and probably where you're you have more options. Yeah. Um. But I, I do see your point in in looking at it from a perspective. You you have a better idea that you can replace him. I think if this if this season taught us anything, is don't go into the training camp assuming the kids are going to take jobs because uh, the parade of the parade of forwards that came in right. and uh, all now it's pretty funny. You go to a Providence Bruins game with your son and he sees all these players and he goes, "Doesn't he play on the Boston Bruins? Doesn't he play?" On the-? No, they're on the Providence Bruins because no. they couldn't cut it. Carson Kuhlman, twenty yeah, three year old, and then finally you get around the Carson Kuhlman. I mean, how many so guys have come through him. that door? Well, oh my god. It's paid off. Well, that's just it. The Karsakuma thing is funny, too, because if they were as smart as they, they probably want to be with the Karsakuma thing, if they knew they had him, you wouldn't have traded a second and a fourth for Johansson. You would have traded it for Muzzin, and you wouldn't be in this position right now. Well, that's a good point. You'd be the favorites. The Johansson trade is... But we've seen this how many times? Actually, it ties into Tory Krug. If they knew they had Tory Krug to do what he did in the 2013 playoffs, they probably wouldn't have traded for Wade Wrighton. Let's say they trade Krug and get rid of Bacchus's contract. Does that entice right. you in the offseason? Now you free up cap space. Now you get in, in somebody. one fell yep. deal. That's a package. You're getting Krug. You're getting back. You're taking this money. Hey, any any situation in which who's you doing get that? the <laughs> contract off the books is 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 certainly sweetens the pot. And then I would, I would do that. What, what are you getting back? It's just well, you're, you're just, signing Charlie McAvoy for your eight by eight. You know whatever. So you're not you're, that you're still not, doesn't replace Krug's. You're production. not replacing Krug well, or Vakanainen. You, you're going Carlo Vakanainen, Lazard or Zaboral. So you're just like play. taking like a second round pick or something for that, or you're, you're not getting real no, value. You get a player, or, you, get a, you get a promising young wing. I mean, if you get a promising, if you get a decent package, you could do that. But first, that now you're limiting your options with Krug though, because David Backus can only go to a certain number of teams. And there's only a certain number of teams that can take David back. It's not be- just right. because of who he is, but because of that contract. So I don't think you tie them together. I think those are two different scenarios. All right, Wise Snacks Player of the Week and uh, put a bow on the Bruins season uh, here on Sunday Skate coming up. Get ready for the Leafs. That's ahead. We are presented by Wise Snacks and Star Market. Matt Calvin is here, of course, from WEI.com. Pete Blackburn. Check him out at Pete Blackburn, CBS Sports, all things NHL. I'm Ken Laird at Sunday Skate, WEI. You're listening to Sunday Skate with Ken Laird from the Mud and Callahan Show and WEEI.com Bruins writer Matt Kalman. Sunday Skate is brought to you by Wise Snacks and by Star Market, the official supermarket of the Boston Bruins. Do you think the Leafs have a chance? You know, I've, they look pretty good tonight, but they have really been in the, the weeds. As far as I'm concerned, they haven't been playing good. That is good. It toughens them up. If they had been out shooting team 45, if they had, no, out being out shot 45 25, thinking they won the game, fat, dumb, and lazy. They are, they are in a mood right now. I wouldn't have rested the guys, but they're in a mood right now. And Boston is going to be tough. But the one thing they have to read when they play Boston, watch when they have a power play. Watch these two guys here. Watch Marshawn and Bergeron. As far as I can say, Bergeron is the MVP. Is the MVP? I think he's so terrific. There he is. Watch them. Watch two more. They they had three uh, three shorthanded goals in three games. This is what they have to watch. Watch this pass. A little over that. Bing. This is what they have to, when they uh, they have the power play. 
and it can happen to them very easily. Makes Mutt sound coherent. So, so do the Leafs I, have a chance? I, I absolutely love that guy because you ask him a simple question and he just falls down a <laughs> flight of stairs trying to answer it. That was Shannon Sharp talking about uh, the Leafs and the Bruins coming up. It's Sunday Skate. Time now for the Wise Snacks Player of the Week brought to you by Wise Snacks and their extra cheesy cheese doodles and Bravo Stadium's nachos available now for the Stanley Cup playoffs. Who you got this week? Well, I had, I had to talk you out of Sinition. Yeah, I want to. I don't know how far this conspiracy By the goes. Way, is the it fluff up, or I don't care what it is. He wasn't as good the player as the guys thought he was. He playing in a glorified exhibition game with his wheels and his and his skills, he should be able to get scoring chances. He should have had a hat trick in that game, and then I would have been impressed. Absolutely, picked the corner on that empty netter, though. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Filthy. I mean, my God, what? What? Is, what how far <laughs> does this conspiracy go to make Zach make it seem like Zach Sinisha was a good draft pick? Anyway, getting around to a good rookie. Yes. The player of the week is Carson Coleman. 5'11", from Esco, Minnesota. 11 whopping games this year and three goals. And that guy is your second line right wing into the postseason. Hey, sometimes you find things in, in you know, odd places. You never know when you're going to hit Tory the... Tory Krug was undrafted, right? Tory Krug guy was, was undrafted and saved the day in 2013. And now this kid... Your playoff in. hopes rest on him. It's actually Sinition's fault, right? He should be... At this point, oh, of this course, guy should this be point, here. Yeah, exactly. First-round pick from 2015. That's just it. I mean, you know, they're going to be living that down forever. Now, Marshawn could have got it. Jockstrap Marshawn with uh, 100 <laughs> points this week. The big, the only game that mattered this week was their beatdown at Columbus. That was very impressive on Tuesday. And do, you, do you think? Do you think? The, do you think the Russians are going to hack Dale's emails now that he desecrated Ovechkin that way? Definitely, it could be collusion in the first place. Just to rile Ovechkin up. You don't want the hangover. You know, going into the Cup playoffs. You said uh, during a break, and this is important for fantasy draft playoff guys. Capitals, the team that's most likely to go three rounds, the easiest path. Yeah, I, I think yeah. that that portion of the bracket is is not very impressive. I, I'm not sold on the Islanders. I, I think that they their goaltending is going to come crashing down and and they're going to sort of implode. Uh, I'm not sold on Pittsburgh. I, you, know, you look at Sidney Crosby; they st- they still have uh, those important pieces there, but their blue line's kind of a mess. Um, I'm not sold on them. I, I just think that that's the weakest portion of the bracket, and Washington has the easiest road to the conference finals. How, how sad is NBC that that division is so weak and they love that division? They're gonna, You know they're going to be jamming those series down our throats. Right, they two think, matchups there. Carolina, the, well, Carolina celebrates after wins. Will they do that in the playoffs? They don't do that anymore. They're they're they cut it back, and then they started losing after they stopped doing it. But. I did. Uh, I just got sent something on Twitter in my in my DMs from um, uh, like a betting guy, uh, and his simulations a, a thousand times been simulated Carolina 55% to come out of the first round against Washington. Wow. I don't know if I buy that, but that's a, that's a wild number. Jesus. Based on what? Just I mean, Carolina is one of those teams that that for like analytics wise, they they're much better than than you would expect. Know, that, that whole team was basically built on analytics. I mean, you're talking about the Islanders goalies breaking down. At least they did it for most of this season. I'm not putting my money on anything that has Peter Morazic and Curtis McElhaney. Well, McElhaney, the release oh dropped God. the ball. That guy should still be in Toronto. Oh, obviously. Him and Pickering. I mean, geez, they, they totally dropped the ball, and then... The, now they get a ride Freddie. The coach is complaining some more. All right. For what so, it's worth, by the way, Bruins 55%. 55% Bruins. Now, that seems reasonable. It seems like B's and six. Now, next week, we'll have two games under the belt, both games at the Garden. Last year, game one was a uh, total beatdown. Uh, 5-1 right in that game, and the first line got going. You think I remember last year? <laughs> well, you, you this was the, the only impetus of you keeping the big line together because they own Toronto. Oh, obviously, that, that goes without saying. Who could forget 30 points in seven games? Right. And I th- expect they'll come out strong again this year, although 
it can't be as bad. I mean, you would think the Leafs are prepared now. This is the second year in a row they're coming They're not the prepared. they got the same defense core. With they Jake don't. Muzzin. Muzzin. Muzzin's not even going to match up against Roman them, probably. Roman Pollock out. Jake Muzzin in. That's oh, a significant yeah. upgrade. Wow. Way to go, Babcock. 1-1 one, one series when we talk next, or 2 OB? Probably 1-1, one, one, but I, it should be 2 nothing. but it'll probably be 1-1. One, one. Is it Tuka's fault? Of course it's Tuka's. <laughs> it's Tuka and Tori Krug's fault. We end with Mark James every week. Tuka or Puka? What do you, what do you got? Which, what's your side? <laughs> I'm going Puka. I agree. I think Halak will be in there for Game 3. Uh, Pete, good stuff. Uh, you're going to maybe tidy up some questions on, e- on the EI Twitter before you leave. Yeah, I mean, we just keep getting questions that are repetitive. What we've already answered on oh, the yeah, show. Yeah. So. Okay. We'll put, them in a, put them in a digital form. Uh, thanks for coming in. The offer extends throughout the playoffs. Pete Blackburn, local guy. You want to come in? You come in. We're hoping to go two hours next week. <laughs> we hope this week. We didn't get it done. But Bradford's saying no. Bradford's got baseball thoughts. The Red Sox are 2-8. and eight. It's Bradfoe. It's Reamer. Reamer's hungover again. They're coming up on WEF.